Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Welcome to this special recap edition of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. In just a minute, you're going to hear myself and my wife and business partner, AJ, do a debrief recap and summary of our most recent interview with our big takeaways. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to let you know that people often ask us, What is the first step to building a personal brand? And if that is you or someone you know, then you have come to the right place because we have put together for you a free video short course to help you get started. Just visit firststep.brandbuildersgroup.com to get access. In it, we're going to walk you through what exactly is the genesis of a personal brand and the six key questions that every personal brand must be able to answer, but that almost none ever do. So go ahead and visit again, firststep.brandbuildersgroup.com to get started, and we'll see you there. Now on with the recap. Hey, welcome to this recap edition of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. It's your man, Rory Vaden, breaking down the interview and the recap with Eric DeHaan. And I'm rolling solo, no wifey and CEO AJ on this one. She's out traveling. But I am fascinated with this interview with Eric because if you haven't listened to the interview yet, I mean, this is a guy who has an agency and also developing software that is specifically sourcing influencers to pair them up with his corporate clients, these companies who have money to spend on advertising, and they are recognizing the power of micro-influencers. And in his case, they're not all micro-influencers. There are lots of bigger ones, but this is amazing. I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me about this interview, which is not part of what my takeaway is, but it's just something for you to realize and was something for me to realize is this is really incredible that big brands and big companies are looking to, for the most part, everyday average normal people. I mean, influencers, but micro influencers and paying money. They've got budgets. They're hiring companies like Eric's to go out and do the research and source people to say, this person is reaching our audience and showing up with real money to pay you. Not the radio stations, not the people who own the billboards, not the people who own the TV commercials, you know, not the people who own the magazines, but you an individual person, quote unquote, an influencer, whether or not you think of yourself that way, but just you as a messenger and someone serving and cultivating an audience that you have the power to monetize that audience by way of the most classic. And this is what's fascinating is in the one way this is so new is just the idea of micro influencers. 
in two other ways, it's as old as time. One is paying for celebrity endorsements, right? So we all understand that we would expect, you know, Brad Pitt to get paid a ton of money to be in a commercial. So we understand the concept of celebrity endorsements, but what's new is it's like, it's the local celebrity, the super local hyper niche micro influencer celebrity. So we kind of understand the concept, but it's at a much more granular level, which is powerful. But then you also have the dichotomy of the age old, most pure form of advertising there is. Companies paying to put their brand, their message, their commercial, their product placement in front of viewers, in front of listeners, in front of eyes and ears to get the message out. And that vehicle, that model has existed ever since there was media, right? Like pretty much ever since there has been the modality of TV or radio or newspaper or print or magazine, and even probably before that, right? Is just the idea that companies will pay and they have budgets to pay they have advertising as a part of the way that they function and they grow their business and they've got money to spend and they're willing to spend that money in whatever vehicle gets their brand in front of their people. And these micro influencers, which is you and it's me, I mean, it could be, which is amazing to think of that even though you might not be a huge media company and you might not have hundreds of thousands of followers or even tens of thousands of followers, but that you can do a better job of reaching their core market in some ways than a national TV commercial because they are captive. And I found, you know, this is powerful for me as an author and as somebody who is an influencer, being on other people's podcasts, we see more direct response from that than we do from national TV and from major national hits. Not always. Sometimes, you know, the major national hits are huge. They have major, major impact. But sometimes, you know, I could think of one time in specifically where I was on a major national morning TV show. And it was like, I literally don't know that a single person saw it. I mean, I know they did, but we got zero response, zero speaking leads, zero customer coaching requests, zero book us for this podcast appearance, zero tweets and comments. It was other than friends and family being like, oh, hey, I saw you and no notable increase in book sales. And so brands and companies are waking up to this idea that the local person has influence, which is what has always been word of mouth, but now it is you and it is measurable and it's trackable and it's repeatable and scalable and predictable. And that is fascinating to me. And somebody like Eric is out there living on the bleeding edge of this emerging space. So I just thought that was amazing in general, just to kind of realize and contextualize this interview with Eric of what this means. And if you're new to this, if you've never heard of this, this concept is called influencer marketing. And it is about getting brand deals. And that is what this is all about. So if you want brand deals, let's talk about my three biggest takeaways from Eric, somebody who's living in this all day, every day. So number one, biggest takeaway of all, don't fake it, right? Don't fake it. Don't fake the followers. Don't fake the engagement. The data is out there. The algorithms are out there. The apps are out there. Artificial intelligence is out there. Like if you want to have a legitimate shot at monetizing your personal brand through brand deals, which you may not, right? And frankly, for me personally and for Brand Builders Group, 
the likelihood that we will ever care about this is very little. We are much less likely to do a brand deal like where a company is paying to access us because it's not worth it probably to us for that one-time payment when it cannibalizes our own offerings of our own coaching program, which is our primary business is one-on-one coaching. So we would be more likely to do more of like an affiliate arrangement or something more long-term. So I don't personally know that this will ever come into play for me, although it could, particularly as we kind of focus more on my personal brand now that Brand Builders Group is kind of up and running and starting to scale. And you know, we turn some attention maybe back to my personal brand. But anyways, regardless, don't fake it. Even for yourself, if you're faking it, the problem is you don't know how you're doing. Like you don't get an honest assessment of what is there, which means you can't make a strategic decision about what to do and how to move to grow it because everything you do is kind of clouded by this group of people who aren't really followers. Now there's a case to be made and some people do this to just nobody cares. I don't care about audience engagement. All I'm doing is a credibility play. I just need people to come out and see I've got a lot of followers and they're not checking and I don't care about brand deals. And I literally just want whatever my clients or members of the media to go, yeah, you know, you look credible because you got a lot of followers. That's a choice for you to make. That's a strategic decision that you got to make. A lot of this is perception. And so that's something to consider. But if you want brand deals is the point. If you want brand deals, and I would say, even if you don't want brand deals, if you actually want to use the vehicle of social media and use the vehicle of audience building to drive real revenue growth for your company, don't fake it. Do the hard work and do the slow work and don't be embarrassed about how slow you're growing or how small your following is. I mean, look, this is what he's saying is going, they don't care. They've got a budget based on how many impressions and they'll pay you for whatever that is. But 10 qualified impressions is 10 qualified impressions. And I think some of these companies are realizing and waking up to the idea that we're paying all this money for mass market media advertising. And we're not even sure we're reaching our right people We could spend a lot less money in more targeted ways with influencers that are much easier to get a hold of and have probably a much smaller legal department. And it's easier and it's faster and it's more fun and it's more organic. And it's like they're supporting individual people and not these huge enterprises. So I really loved what he said. Don't fake it. The algorithm will pick it up. And just you need to know, like you got to know Is my content working? Are we growing? Who are my followers? One of the most valuable parts of social media is not even just who you sell to. It's being able to pull the analytics and go, this is the age. These are the geographic locations. This is the gender. This is the income range. These are the industries. These are the job titles of the people I'm reaching. And these are the topics that my audience responds to based on data. If I have a bunch of fake followers in there, then it's like, I don't really know what's working and the data is constantly skewed. So, you know, just be really, really critical or cautious about doing the fake follower thing. And if you're going to do it, make sure you're clear about why you're doing it and just know you're missing out on some other things here, which, you know, might be a decision that you make. And those are just decisions you make. But that was the first thing. And I really believe clearly with artificial intelligence, it's going to get smarter and smarter over time that, At some point, people like Eric are going to automate this whole space and companies are just going to literally go to some platform and say, I want to reach personal brands. 
and some software or tool or AI will go scrape the web and it will say, ah, here's the top 500 profiles that reach personal brands. And it's like, oh, Brand Builders Group is on there. And they'll just email us and say, hey, we got some money. We think you're reaching this number of people. Do you want it? So fascinating. Don't fake it. Pay attention to the data or you know, think critically before you just kind of do the fake follower thing. Number two, simple. It's about supply and demand. This was a good reminder for me. I think this is a theme as I'm even just talking this out of how there's like a new thing going on here, a new movement that's kind of fresh and fun and exciting. And at the same time, these are old principles, the principle of supply and demand. How many people are out there who do what you do, right? And this is where the whole niching down thing is really powerful. I mean, it can work for you and against you. If I have the world's number one website on hand niche paw shoes for cats and kittens, then I probably have a very dedicated, loyal audience of cat owners who follow me, which means that PetSmart is going to pay me a lot of money because they know my entire platform, whether it's a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand, like they know I'm reaching their audience. There's not really any question about it. And so that is super powerful. Now, at the same time, you got to pay attention and be mindful of what is the demand for it, right? So like, how many brands are interested in marketing to cat owners? Well, probably a huge number. It's a huge market. But if it's something else that's super specific, there may not be brands interested in that. So if you're playing the brand deal game, which by the way, is a dedicated business model and it's a difference in positioning. If you come through finding your brand DNA, which is our phase one course one event, curriculum experience, one of the things we help you get clear on, in addition to what audience to serve, what is your uniqueness, what is your unique solution, your unique message, is what is your perfect business model that is suited for you? The reason why is because when you make a strategic decision, if you're going after keynotes, that's different than going after brand deals. The business model you're in drives a lot of these practical on-the-ground decisions that you make every single day. So, you need to be mindful of what is my primary business model. That's what we call it in brand DNA. It's finding your primary business model. And we take people through something called the golden grid, where we look at what's your short-term primary business model and your long-term. And then we look at secondary business models, ancillary revenue streams, and the five ways to monetize your personal brand, et cetera. But know what business you're in, make strategic decisions accordingly. Don't just wing it, fly by the seat of your pants. And if you're playing the brand deal game, it's simple. How many other people are out there that do what you do? How many other people? And more specifically, I think is going, how many other people out there have the same defined audience as you? And if you are clear on what that is, you know, just be aware of it. Because if there are a lot of people out there who do what you do, or more specifically as it relates to brand deals, who reach the same people you reach, then that means supply is high. When supply is high, that drives the price down, meaning the money coming to you. So that's a factor for you to consider. How many other people out there are doing what I do or what I'm thinking about doing? And if there's a bunch of them, right? If it's general interest, motivation, there's a ton of them, right? A ton of people are doing that. If it's leadership, there's a ton of people. Now, good ones, maybe less, but how many people are reaching your audience? And then the other part is the demand calculation. 
And look, I know this is basic freshman econ from college, but a lot of people don't understand supply and demand, even though it's super simple. So if supply goes up, the price goes down because that means I don't need to buy from you because there's a hundred other people that do what you do. So I'm paying attention to supply. How many other people are out there have an audience like mine as a result of having a topic like mine? Then the other thing is, what is the demand for it? How many companies or entities or enterprises or organizations want to reach this market? Using something like pets as an example, there's a lot of companies with a lot of big budgets who know that pet owners spend money on their pets and they're willing to pay money to get access to those people. There's high demand for that. Versus if you teach tennis lessons, how many companies are interested in the game of tennis? There's plenty, but it's probably not as many. There's not as many people who play tennis in the world as there are people who have pets, right? So you're paying attention to that. And then in terms of the pricing, it's just knowing how many impressions can you get, right? So part of when you're selecting your topic and your positioning in the marketplace, which is really what we do as good, if not better than anyone else in the world is help you determine your positioning in the market. What is your uniqueness? What should you be offering? What are the words you should use to say it? How do you differentiate yourself from the competition? And anyways, once you nail that, then it's just a function of how many of those people can you reach? How many impressions can you get for the brand? And by the way, you don't need to wait for the brand to show up to you. When you know this, if you select brand deals as your primary business model, you just simply go, ah, I'm reaching cat owners and you're clear on that, which should come from your data, which should come from your dashboards, which we talk about at our high traffic strategies event. You could also listen to the interview that we did with Praxis Metrics, AJ Yeager and Megan Connell about digital dashboard tracking, or you could come through our high traffic strategies course. That will poll and tell you who you're reaching. And then you can actually go approach brands like PetSmart and you can say to them, look, I believe PetSmart, I am reaching your target audience. Here's the data on the audience I'm reaching. And that is a sales job, just like generating any revenue is a sales job. If you're in this game of brand deals, I think understanding brand deals, this is a great episode. The other great episode that we did on this was our friend and client and fan and one of our close Nashvilleian neighbors who we love and believe in and support and she supports us is Julie Solomon. She's one of the masters at brand deals. She's got a course on this that we are an affiliate for, but she did an interview, like a free interview with us or back in one of the early episodes that was just killer. Also, Kevin Harrington, the interview we did with Kevin Harrington, he was basically the founder of the infomercial, one of the godfathers of this whole movement, which has evolved to digital marketing and just talking about the way that he thinks about pairing up brands and ad spend. So check it out, but it's supply and demand, simple supply and demand. As supply goes up, price goes down, okay? As demand goes up, price goes up, okay? Because if there's high demand and low supply, that means a lot of people want it and there's not many places they can get it from. So price goes up. If supply goes down and demand goes up, that drives the price up. If supply goes up, meaning I can get it from anywhere and demand goes down, price goes down because there's not that many people who want it and they can get it from anywhere, right? That is how it works. So toilet paper, you can get anywhere. 
I mean, demand is stable, but it's not super high until when COVID hit and there was a run on toilet paper. Everyone was afraid of running on toilet paper. And so demand, even though supply was high, demand skyrocketed. And so that drove up the price. The price follows demand. As demand goes up, price goes up. As demand goes down, price goes down. Price is inversely related. So price is directly correlated to demand, but price is inversely correlated or indirectly correlated to supply. As supply goes up, price goes down. A lot of people make it, it's available, price goes down. If supply goes down, few people make it or few people have it, that causes the price to go up. So price and demand are directly correlated. Price and supply are inversely correlated. So there's your freshman economics class brought to you by Rory Vaden. All right, third takeaway for me here, which is probably the biggest one of all, was the attitude of how you got to think about these people as your customers. These companies are your partners. Even though they're paying you for the ad spend, you're working for them. They are your client. They are your customer. And I think too often influencers and people going specifically after brand deals, it's almost kind of like this game of how can I trick a company into paying the most amount of money I can get out of them? I'm all for being paid fairly and being paid well for the work you've put in, but you don't want to game the system here. You want to find a good match. You're looking for a partner. You're looking for a relationship. You want to be able to provide results to this person, to your advertisers. And this applies to podcasting too, right? You don't want to just sell your ads to anybody. I mean, at some point you might need to for cash flow or whatever, but that's not really what we're after. We're trying to find mutually beneficial relationships. We want them to advertise not just once like, hey, I'll pay you when you post. You want to be able to deliver results. So it's like, hey, I'll keep paying you. I'll keep paying you. I'll keep paying you. That's a mutually beneficial relationship. And it's just a great reminder that this business is about reputation. It's about relationships. It's about trust. If people aren't buying from you, they don't trust you. If they're not coming back, they don't trust you. If they're not following you, they don't trust you. This is a game of trust and you have to make sure you are always working to earn your client's trust. To adapt something that I wrote about in Take the Stairs called the rent axiom that says success is never owned, it is only rented and the rent is due every day. Trust is never owned. Trust is rented and the rent is due every day. You have to be out there servicing your customers, working to make their life better, not just taking money from them and disappearing. Be constantly thinking whether you're doing brand deals or not. This goes for all your clients. How can I make my life better for my clients? How can I make it easier for them? How can I make them more money? This is what we are constantly thinking about. At Brand Builders Group, I'm going, how can we make our affiliates more money? I want them to get massive, passive mailbox money. How can we create more income for our clients and our referral partners? How can we help our clients be more successful in making money for themselves? How can we help our strategists make more money? How can we make our team members make more money? When you adopt that service-centered attitude of how can I help everyone else win quickly, it's like my man Zig Ziglar used to say, if you help enough people get what they want, you will get what you want. So view these people as your partners, help them succeed, and you will succeed.
That's all we've got for this recap edition. Thanks for tuning in. Keep coming back. We're going to help you build and monetize your personal brand right here on the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 